Charles Liquid and Katrina. Good morning, everyone. Afternoon. Hello, everyone. everyone. How are we all doing? How are we all doing? I can't hear. What? Can't. I can't hear. Everything sounds really strange. I'm completely... How long after being losing your hearing, being deaf in your lef- left ear, should you wait before going to the doctors? Um, 12 months. <laughs> 12 months. <laughs> I don't know. I reckon you just need a bit of a smack. And that might sort it out. It might do. Mm. It's really, really frustrating. I'll do it in a second and gone. <laughs> Is that better? <laughs> I can hear it's a miracle. <laughs> so I don't I can't really control my the volume that I'm speaking. I don't know how loud I am. Um when I'm speaking, it's difficult for me to hear the words. And I'm s I've noticed throughout the week when I was at work I was stumbling. My w- like not stumbling my words, but like I wasn't pronouncing properly mm. for a change. Not like I normally do anyway. So be ready for some like an abomination of a podcast, basically. That's okay. It's pretty abomination anyway, isn't it, most of the time? And I might also lose my voice because it's hurting. But I have got some vodka here. Yeah, that's all right then. Bit of vodka, that usually lubes your uh, throat, doesn't it? It certainly does. It certainly How you been, Rob? You been good this week? Yeah, yeah. I've um, kind of recovered myself. You know, it's took two, two and a bit of weeks or so, but still coughing away a bit, but I'm all right. You know what I mean? It's the Aussie flu, apparently. Is it? Fucking I bastards. Fucking Aussies. I don't understand how it's the Aussie flu. Maybe it was. Is it just flu? Maybe they did it through the podcast. Maybe it's Carousel Sniper Victim doing yeah. a virus through podcasts. Some sort of mad, crazy, ingenious high tech yeah, way of spreading. Awesome way of spreading viruses. Weapons. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> but that's what it says Aussie flu. Uh, so, uh, whatever. Illness. Cheers, lads. Thanks for giving us that. <laughs> illness update over. Yeah. What about Big Steve, Dying in the world. I know, yeah. I was pretty good. To be honest, I thought you were going to text me as soon as he. Soon as he was dead, because you're usually quite quick on things like, especially with Hawkins, because you like him, don't yeah. you? So, but yeah, I didn't know till about half ten. Didn't you? No, no, it you just you it sort of propped up on my phone. I was like, what the? F-? I was like, nah. And then um, Kath was saying, well, he's seventy-seven. He had motor or whatever he was, yeah, some motor neuron disease, you know. But it's like, yeah, but he was supposed to die, like you text me saying, like fifty years ago. So he was like, he. In theory, he should have never died, yeah. ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's passed out the deadline and he's just lived another 50 years, so like in theory, he should live forever. And he probably they, will. I think they gave him two years, uh, what, when he was like 25 or something, and he like lived another 50 years. But, it, so. but he had choked on his tongue, that one, I reckon. Because that's what they usually do, don't they, when they I die? Don't, I don't know. Well, I suppose he had, so. pe- he had a lot of... Is that what happens? Yeah, they're usually meant to choke on the tongue and die because <laughs> they can't control it. Rob Science. Yeah, Rob Science, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, he could be, well, he's 70 fucking seven, so he could have been anything, I suppose. He said he died peacefully in his sleep, so... Yeah. Maybe a heart attack or he's something. He's a special person, he was. Yeah, he was, wasn't he? He was. He was uh, that's probably what kept him alive, though, isn't it, really? All that, just basically, I can't physically move, so I'm going to use all that physical stuff that I was going to do into mental strength. And then, Well, he was a doctor before, wasn't he? But, yeah. like, you know what I mean? He just kept fucking... Just keep thinking and just keep doing that instead. Purpose. He kept his mind active, but it's yeah. incredible when you think about kind of the the stuff he he um, he came up with, stuff he figured out, all without being able to move. Did it all in his head. Yeah, the thing is, though, shit that we can't even get our head around. I'm not trying to diss him, obviously, but uh, <laughs> it's a theory. In theory, that means it's, it may not be true as well. Most likely. Yeah, it's a bit. It's a bit, well, yeah, but it's, it's, it's the closest w- closest. Theoretical theory, <laughs> I suppose, <laughs> to, to it being happening to happen. So I suppose, but it is it's based on our best available information. So yeah. 
they do tend to they're not like random guests you didn't just wake up one day and went you know what <laughs> yeah I reckon I reckon there was a big bang like a shotgun I reckon he, from I reckon, nothing I reckon black holes evaporate slowly and I'm going to call it Hawking radiation it, it, it's, it's like they work it out there's ways he can he, he does it it's not just like random guesswork yeah, yeah. it <laughs> would be quite funny though if he just literally just wasn't a prof- professor and he just guessed it all the way through yeah, just blagged just, it just blagged it yeah blagged himself as a, he's not a professor Never went to uni. Someone never went to yeah, 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 yeah. The some of the geezers think, they go, "What the fuck? It's me. I'm doing this." <laughs> yeah, fuckers. yeah, yeah, yeah. Programming his computer. He's just sitting there going, "I don't know. It's working now." <laughs> never know, mate. Strange never things know. have happened. True, 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 true. What about um, the Russian shit again? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've apparently the it's UK probably, government it's probably only big news here. Yeah, I don't think it's any, no one no, else cares. No, ne- neither do we really. No, it's, it's kind of stupid, isn't it? Really. You know, I mean, we, we we get rid of twenty three diplomats because someone's been poisoned, um, and they just do the same, and it's, nothing's going to happen. I said this; I think I said it last week, or I said it to someone anyway. I said nothing's going to happen. They're just going to go me 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 each other, and then they'll go, okay, see you later, yeah, close the door and walk out, and that's it. That'll be the end of it. It'll just fade from the news. Unless Russia just want to come and bomb us, then you know. Can you imagine them. us saying, oh, it's just going to fade from the news." This is nuclear World War Two, World War Three nuclear attack. <laughs> Sun gets blotted out by fighter jets. Sounds like a movie, that doesn't it? World War Three nuclear attack. <laughs> yeah, that's what it probably will be. Starring no one, as they're all dead. <laughs> Angie Kidner, what up, girl? I think you messaged me on Podbean about the Bulge episode. Somebody sent me a message on um, on Podbean regarding the, the episode, but I can't, I couldn't open it. So, Angie, if that was you, send us a message again on Facebook because I have no idea what, what you were saying. You're probably just calling us a bunch of assholes. Yeah. I, ho- I hope we handled that. Tastefully enough. Yeah. Well, I think I I think we did. We didn't really. Um, just told the story. We just told the story and just sort of just put our opinion to it, didn't we? So yeah. yeah. And so I think that's well, That's basically all we do, really. I know sometimes we have a bit of a laugh with, with stuff, but obviously certain things you you can kind of have a laugh about it, but not about it. If you yeah, know what yeah. I mean, sort of around it. But it's um in that case you really can't. You know what I mean? It's one of them. It was dark. Yeah, it's pretty pretty rough, isn't it? What so, so um, yeah, what up, Shelley? How's it going? Mike, who found us via the sniper ruse. Cheers, sniper ruse. Look at that, mate. Works. Uh, I don't know about this cummy biscuit challenge. <laughs> Andy. <laughs> yeah. Andy, 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 yeah, Andy. I, I, I um, you're, you're weak and stupid. Go and listen to the most recent episode. Go on, Rob, explain. I d- I d- it sounds like to me something from like some sort of Holland gay bar. I think it's from Belgium. Oh, right, okay. It's close <laughs> enough. <laughs> The Belgium gay bar then. <laughs> yeah, well, so the so- was it soggy biscuit or something? <laughs> Basically, you, you come on a biscuit and you got to be the first one. You got to come first on the biscuit. You got you got to stand around with loads of blokes wanking on a biscuit. Me and you. That yeah. was the challenge. Yeah, and then the first one who no, the last one who comes has to eat it or something. Well, it's a bit, a bit, a bit of um, a bit extreme that one. I'm, I'm, that's not going to happen. No, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm putting that down straight away. Alex was saying I don't think they're going to take it up, and I think you're right, Alex. None of us are going to take that up. I don't think the snipers will. No, and then we tried to change it. Then they were saying, oh, well, "I'll wank on my own into a biscuit <laughs> and <laughs> like, then film it." Make it, yeah, film it. Yeah, it's like just get even more fucking freaky now. <laughs> Sound like a right fucking that, mentalist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Does that mean you can eat your own biscuit then after? <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear me! Funny though. Yeah, so yeah. Go yeah. check that out, man. Is yeah, man. Listen to them; they're wicked. Is Osterbiolders here? Yeah, man. Still there. Still on the table. Did you see that ski lift? 
in Georgia. No, but I heard about it. And didn't it fuck oh. a load of people off or something? Mate, it was terrible. I heard about it on the news. If you've not, you don't know what we're talking about. I think it was in Georgia, and there was a ski lift that you know you sit on. It, it's like a little bench on cables, <laughs> yeah, yeah. basically that drags you up to the top of a mountain. We all know what it is, but it goes in a loop. You go up, you jump off at the top. It comes back down. There's like a turnstile at the top of the bottom. Mm. Something happened. Some sort of power failure, safety device fucked up, and there was no means to. There was no braking system active, so everybody that was on the uh, on the hoist going up suddenly found themselves hurtling downhill. Oh, wicked! Um, well, I mean, not wicked, mate. But it's you know terrifying. It's terrifying. They were screaming to them, "Jump off! Jump off!" And because it flew down slow at first, but people were getting mangled up in like the uh, in the in the like banging into it. Yeah, it was terrible. It was absolutely awful. Yeah. Shocking, really, and bodies are flying everywhere, and it's oh Jesus! Let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies hit the floor. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah. Um, well, I haven't seen the video, but I've heard that the video was out because they're saying it on BBC and people yeah. are just flying everywhere. And yeah, sounds like a good rock. Sounds like something at Alton Towers, to be honest. Yeah, Alton Towers on acid, mate. Yeah. Well, Alton Towers are pretty good at fucking people up, aren't they? So, <laughs> they are, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they got a good. Good record at that. So I think amusement parks have hurt more people. I wouldn't be surprised if Alton Towers bring it in, especially <laughs> bring it over from uh, from Austria, wherever it was, Georgia. Hungary, Georgia, wherever it was. Recreate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ski lift. It's from hell. This, yeah. The ski lift from hell. Watch it as your friends disappear into oblivion. Time. Yeah, ma'am. You know the film. You've seen the film. <coughs> yeah. Is it? Would you say that's factual? The that, film. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, it is fact. It is factual. Is there any Hollywood add-ons? Mm, so yeah. To speak? There's a f- there is a f- there is a few as as always is. Um, but it is factual. But the reason why I thought we'd do it um, is because there's bits that weren't put in the film. Right. Um, so hopefully we can reveal a little bit more information. Oakley dokley skip up. What happened? So Apollo 13 was the most remote and distant survival effort ever undertaken oh, right. in That's human history. <laughs> <laughs> you can't really get much further away no. than the Apollo 13 fuck up. I didn't even know fucking know we were on until, Robert, until you said that. So. <laughs> Rob's just looking at me going, press record. Like, yeah, yeah, just record for about an hour. Oh, right. <laughs> Sam, hello everyone again. The crew uh, encountered a catastrophic failure 56 hours into the mission on the trip out to the moon. Right. Meaning they had to continue on with their flight in a crippled spacecraft with minimal control and minimal power. The crew of Apollo 13 also have the distinction of being the furthest distance from the Earth that humans have ever travelled. They reached a distance of 471,000 kilometres uh, or 248,655 miles that, from the Earth. That'd be a hell of a marathon to run. It's, it's further, no, no humans have ever travelled further. Apollo 10 came close, but didn't go quite as far. But oh, I suppose, yeah, because it had to 
the way it went, it had to yeah, it took longer, didn't it? Because yeah. and they went further. Yeah, they yeah. had no power, so they kind of had to let gravity do its thing almost. Uh, so cause, because the ship was uh, damaged during the explosion, the crew were forced to use what's called a free return trajectory, which basically means the spacecrafts use the moon's gravitational pull to slingshot the ship around the far side of the moon and throw it back to the Earth. Usually the command module, which was called Aquarius in this case, that's it there, the command yeah, module. Yeah. Uh, what it would do is it would fire its engines when it encounters the moon, which brings its altitude and speed down, allowing the ship to be captured by the moon's gravity. And then they could do like a few more adjustments and put themselves in a parking orbit. So the whole ship would be in a stable, ready to c- circular to orbit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And once in lunar orbit, the lunar excursion module, or the LEM, as it's sort of abbreviated to, which is called the Odyssey, it would decouple from the command module, leaving that ship in orbit, and then it would begin a powered descent down to the lunar, surfi- uh, lunar surface. Now, the altitude used by previous Apollo command modules for parking orbits was about 60 miles. Um, but because the ship was fucked and they had minimal control, Apollo 13 swung past the moon at an altitude of 137 miles above the moon's surface, more than double the height of previous Apollo command modules. Okay. And that's why they that's why they became the most distant humans ever. Okay, yeah. Until Elon Musk pisses all over them and goes to Mars. Yeah, in his fucking te- Tesla car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When's that? He's supposed to. He's supposed to be sending people to to Mars, Mars yeah, soon, yeah, yeah. isn't he, or something like twenty twenty six or something like that? Yeah, mid twenty twenties. Well, we'll see. I'm it pretty sure he'll do it. Yeah, he probably will, won't he? Though, if you can send a fucking Tesla car to space, well, that rocket can do it. So it's there was something which was quite funny. It was like uh, it said, "You must be embarrassed as a nation if uh, if someone can privately put a, p- a car into space and you don't even have a space program." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of true, though, isn't it? You know what I mean? It's. Uh, I think with SpaceX, it's because it's totally because it's private. There's less. Um, you don't have to please as many people regarding funding. People mm. aren't going to come. It's your own money. You can yeah, do yeah. It as you want. Yeah, you, you can lose a lot of hurdles. Yeah. <clears throat> so Apollo thirteen. Sorry about the coughing, everybody. He's not. I'm not really. Couldn't give a fuck. Uh, Apollo 13 was launched on the 11th of April 1970 at 13.13. Nice. <laughs> yeah. It, it launched from the Kennedy Space Center. The Saturn V rocket that lifted the spacecraft into orbit actually lost an engine on the second stage during the ascent, but they quickly calculated they'd make orbit anyway. So it was off to not a bumpy start, but... It's a, not bit, a bit of a... Okay, yeah, it's one of them. We've got a backup for that, but... Yeah, it starts off with something going wrong here. So yeah, it's not a minor problem, but it's not major. They could get over it, obviously, as they did. Yeah, <clears throat> it was crewed by Mission Commander Jim Lovell. That's Alex Lovell's granddad. Yeah, uh, command, obviously. <laughs> command module pilot Jack Swiger and lunar module pilot Fred Hayes. Yeah, and it was supposed to land in the frail moral regions of uh, the moon, like a mountainous region almost, like a big hilly area. They didn't just land on flats. Yeah, like if you look at a lot of the images from Apollo Eleven. And the earlier missions, they're, f- they're really standard, flat, safe areas to land because they were just figuring it out, feeling out what they could and couldn't do. Yeah. Towards the end, when you get to sort of Apollo 15, 16, and 17, then it goes into mountains. And they yeah. even took a car with them and played golf on the moon. That's <laughs> <laughs> crazy. I know. Yeah. It's really impressive stuff when you consider that the average age of the Apollo engineers that built this shit and put humans on the moon was 27. Really? Yeah. Fucking awesome. That's pretty clever stuff, isn't it, man? Yeah, man. There were there were to be the third manned lunar landing in history, following on from Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin, who went on Apollo 11, and Pete Comrade and Alan Bean on Apollo 12. Mm. Um, everybody knows the first dudes to walk on the moon were Neil and Buzz, but they weren't the first humans to visit the moon. Right, okay. 
There had actually been two previous manned moon missions before the first landing, but they weren't intended to land. They were rather used as like a, a rehearsal. Yeah. To check. Let's have a look at it and go che- around. Yeah, yeah. Check space ba- uh, spacecraft flight systems out and just, you know, basically give the mission, I think they call it a shakedown. So yeah. they can figure out what, what works, what doesn't work, what can be improved on. Yeah. Uh, Apollo 8 was the first manned mission. It was launched in December 1968, and that was crewed by Frank Borman, Bill Anders, and Jim Lovell. So it's the same Jim Lovell on Apollo 13. Yeah. So he'd, so been, he'd been up there before anyway. Yeah, yeah. And he was also the backup commander of Apollo 11, the first moon landing. So he had he was like Neil Armstrong's backup in case. If Neil Armstrong got the flu. Yeah, he could jump in. and Jim Lovell would have been the first guy to walk on the moon. I bet he was a bit gutted about that. <laughs> gutted, man. I bet Buzz was. Buzz was like, fucking hell, I yeah. just want to be first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. still saying it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he uh, pretends he's not, but he is. Help <laughs> um, Buzz. After Apollo 13... Jim Lovell became the, well, he was the world's most travelled astronaut. He'd flown three missions and totaled 572 hours in space. That record has been completely obliterated by now. Mm. Sounds impressive, 572 hours. There's a Russian cosmonaut called Gennady Paldaka, I think, whatever. Gennady Smirnov. Yeah. Uh, Smirnov vodka, yeah. (laughs) He spent a combined mission time of 879 days in orbit. On five missions, that was. What what food did he have up there? Fucking hell. McDonald's, mate. (laughs) Bringing up a McDonald's every day. The longest single trip, the longest stay in orbit, was carried out by Valery Polakov. He spent 437 days orbiting the Earth. Do you reckon you get bored? Um... Yeah, I suppose you probably would, wouldn't you? But if you got some music, I, I quite like that. <laughs> you got some yeah, music, it'd be fine. I like my own company, so I, I, I think I'd be all right there for four hundred odd days. Just chill out, fuck around with the electrics. Yeah. Well, maybe not, but uh, <laughs> 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 but um, yeah. I, th- I think uh, it would be amazing to do, but I still think after four uh, four hundred and thirty-seven days. I'd love it if it, I'd love it if he said to his wife, right? It was like you know, just didn't tell her about the whole mission, and just went, "I'm just going out, seeing a bit, yeah, yeah. <laughs> seeing an hour, just going to get some bread." It's like four hundred forty odd days later, come you and a bit later. You never believe what happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> Travelled fifty million yeah. miles. I've been orbiting the Earth. What? <laughs> Apollo eight uh, orbited the Moon ten times. That was the the first mission out. Uh, they completed various tests, um, yeah. and then they returned to the to the Earth. The second manned mission was Apollo 10. Now, that was launched on the 18th of May, 1969. That was crewed by Tom Stafford, John Young, and Eugene Cernan. They actually took a lunar module with them this time and right. undocked from the command module and took the lunar module down to an altitude of about forty to 50,000 feet. I think it was about 40,000 feet, which is just over the height that um, commercial jets fly. So it's sort of skimming over the mountaintops. And they did this... As, like I say, everything was done in steps. The first step is, can we fly out there? That was Apollo 8. Yes, we can. Apollo 10, all right, we know we can get out there. Do these ships work? Well, let's undock them and get one to go down a bit further. Yes, we figured out Apollo 10 that works. So the next step, Apollo 11, was the landing. Uh, In case you didn't realise, Apollo, the Apollo spacecraft, weren't one single ship. Yeah. There were actually two ships docked together. The command module, which would remain in lunar orbit, with one dude on all alone, orbiting the moon by yeah. himself. <laughs> it's like a little mothership. Um, it was used to fly them back to the Earth. The man furthest point to any human ever. Yeah, they, 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 uh, I think they remarked Michael, Co- uh, Michael Collins was, they called him the most loneliest or 
man ever in the history of humanity because when Neil and Buzz were on the moon on the near side and he was around the back side there was nobody near him yeah well, no one yeah. even close he's like the most remote human on yeah his that's own it Ro- most remote human to compared to other humans in well in the universe I suppose yeah it's not in the world no one's on the world more alone yeah. yeah yeah so it's it's like I say it's not one ship you've got the command module which stays in orbit and then you've got the lunar module which is a small two-person craft which is designed to fly down to the moon land keep two dudes alive for a couple of days then fly back up to lunar orbit and dock with the mothership where they would then transfer like sample scientific mm. data um, move everything across then the lunar module would be undocked from the command module and flown back into the surface of the moon where it would impact now seismic seismic experiments were set up on the surface by the crew they would pick up the shock waves radiating out from the collision from the lem giving scientists an insight into like the density of the moon, you know, the makeup, you know, how, you know it's, it's complicated, dangerous shit, man, but it's, yeah. it's pretty impressive and clever. I think it's amazing. Yeah, it is pretty amazing. That's, that's what should have happened. Uh, so for the crew of Apollo 13, it was a chance of a lifetime, and more so for Jim Lovell, who had already been to lunar orbit. He desperately wanted to land and explore. He, you know, he said that openly. He said, it's amazing. Uh, I've got to add here uh, an example of fate being a bitch to Jim Lovell, but fate was a bit of a bitch to Jim Lovell <laughs> the whole <laughs> way through this. Okay. But, Alan Shepard, the first American in space on Freedom 7, who in fact would go on to walk on the moon, being the commander of Apollo 14, he'd been taken off active flight status a few years before in 1963 due to an inner ear issue, like feeling dizzy, a bit like me at the moment. Um, Because he was the golden boy of NASA, um, he had mates in management and he was he, he carried a bit of clout with him basically yeah uh, he, he uh, he'd been ruled out of fli- a flight duty because of this ear but nasa actually carried out uh, a medical procedure in 1969 fixing this ear issue you know they don't usually do that they just ground you if your ears fucked or whatever you can't fly yeah just wait till it gets better if it does or, 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 or yeah, that's, that's it. it yeah end of your career otherwise. we're not going to send you up with a compromised ear yeah but he was alan shepherd he could do it so he, he got his ear fixed and then Immediately after it was deemed okay, uh, on his request, he was put back on active flight duties and he asked to fly on the next available mission, what, which was Apollo 13. Yeah. Shepard wanted to be on Apollo 13. Flight management at NASA said, you need more time. You can't, you're not going, it's the moon, mate. It's not the fucking shops. Yeah. So what they did is they, um, they recommended that Alan Shepard was to not fly on Apollo 13, miss that mission entirely, get more training and fly as commander on Apollo 14. At the time, Jim Lovell was the commander of Apollo 14. He was going to fly that mission and probably would have walked on the yeah, moon. Yeah. But NASA asked him if he'd command Apollo 13 Yeah, because instead. it just swapped round, yeah, because of illness and all that. Yeah, yeah. He said yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Got it wrong, matey. Uh, so, yeah. So Apollo 13's fly out to the moon was uneventful. It had been done four times before. This was the fifth time. And whilst not like completely routine because you're flying to the moon you can't that's not routine nasa and the crew were relaxed and confident the ship's design had been tried and tested the craft is effectively just coasting out to the moon at yeah. this point there's no engines on it's just serenely it's just in, yeah, it's falling just, into the moon's it's gravity it's just been well. aimed in one one direction 
yeah. and um, it's the gravity sort of doing the rest of the work, yeah, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, they maintain the ship's systems during the flight, checking their position and you know, planning for any mid-course corrections. They checked the flight plans. They went through various tasks they has to, had to do. Uh, the flight was that smooth that Jim Lovell actually said, he said, um, the spacecraft is in real good shape as far as we're concerned. We're bored to tears down here. Cursed it fool. Yeah, you dickhead. Shouldn't have said that, man. Um, they did a live TV broadcast to the Earth from deep space. They looked very relaxed, smiling, happy. I mean, you would be. You're going to the moon. Yeah, yeah. Everything's been cool. There's been no problems before. But nobody watched that transmission. Um, the public was more interested in a baseball game, apparently, that was going on. What? Uh, the, the broadcast was only wasn't put on by any TV network at oh, all. It's because it's already been done once. And, ah, fuck it. It's old news. Yeah. It was only streamed from the spacecraft to Mission Control and the families turned up to Mission Control. It was only the families that watched it. <laughs> yeah, okay. Bastards. Yeah. Apparently during the um, the broadcast, Fred Hayes, the lunar module pilot, is a bit of a joker. What he'd do is he'd reset like a like a dump valve. Don't know what that is. Um, during the live broadcast, knowing that this, when you reset this valve, it causes a loud bang and it would yeah. just shit everybody up. Yeah. He was doing that during the live Yeah, just, uh, just to wind everyone up. Yeah, yeah. Like they're going to die sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. As far as he's concerned, the whole world's watching. He's like, yeah, yeah. fucking watch this. Yeah. Good man. So, um, yeah, they did that. It was all good. Nice, relaxed, no problems. But six and a half minutes after the broadcast, Mission Control sent a routine instruction up to the crew to switch on some fans and some heaters uh, that were inside the oxygen tanks and the hydrogen tanks. What what would happen is the fans would mix up the contents of the tanks, giving a more accurate reading to the sensors regarding how much is actually in the tanks, the mm. tanks' contents. Yeah, yeah. The heaters would evaporate the liquid oxygen <laughs> and hydrogen, and they would use a pressure ten, uh, sensor to calculate the content. Yeah. Fifty-five hours, fifty-four minutes, fifty-three s- seconds into the mission whilst they were approximately 205,000 miles away from the Earth, almost at the moon, command module pilot Jack Swiger activated the cryo fans and the oxygen heaters. There was a loud explosion and all hell broke loose. (laughs) And the date that that explosion happened was the 13th of April. 13th. Why did they they go up, up the 13th? On thirteenth, well, one quarter past thirteen minutes past one, so thirteen thirteen. Why was it that time? Launch windows. They have to take. They have to lift off the surface of the Earth at a specific time because they don't just aim at the Moon. You aim to where the Moon will be. Is it that they have lunch between 12 and yeah. 1 and then they just go, come on them lads, let's yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lovell was having a big shit. He was yeah, meant to take yeah, off yeah. at 1 o'clock, but yeah. 13 minutes did He's going, I'm going to get a paid shit in before I go. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't shitting in that spacecraft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just stink it out, man. <laughs> so right uh, after the explosion, they knew something had gone wrong straight away. Jim Lovell actually thought that Fred Hayes was fucking about with the, the dump valve yeah, again. Yeah. Um, but he says he could tell right away. by his face that he wasn't doing anything Fred Hayes was shitting bricks because he was actually in the lunar module because the two ships are docked he was actually in the lunar module near the docking tunnel between the two spacecraft and the explosion was so violent it twisted the the ships so much the metal tunnel connecting the two spacecraft crinkled and buckled now Hayes was in there next to it he said he could hear a metallic noise from the twisting motion holy shit any more power in that explosion that probably would have cracked it open wouldn't it and then it'd be like that'd be it wouldn't it they were so lucky yeah that could have I mean if it had blown all we would have known was they weren't lucky but I know what you mean yeah like it could have been a lot worse (laughs) yeah yeah we wouldn't have known what happened yeah 
we would, they would have said, can you um, activate the cryo fans? And you were on, yep, sure, no problem. And that would have been it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No one would have heard anything. Yeah. And they would have to have assumed that something went wrong with the cryo fans. Yeah, yeah. Because everyone died afterwards. <laughs> yeah, everyone just stopped communications and disappeared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So after the bang, mission, uh, the astronauts reported um, to Mission Control that the electrical pa- uh, power was fluctuating wildly. Um, the spacecraft's automatic reaction control thrusters that were designed to keep the ship in a certain orientation and heading, they started firing randomly, sort of indicating the thrusters were either malfunctioning and firing at random, or the spacecraft was being pushed off course by something. And it something. was trying to get it back. And the navigation computer was picking up the deviation and was firing the thrusters to try and control the orientation of the ship and maintain the correct heading. So it's sort of firing all around them. All the engines are going off. They yeah. don't know what the fuck's going on. It's The ship's almost tumbling. Mm-hmm. The crew were like, what the actual fuck? What yeah, was yeah. going on? What the fuck's going on here? Now, meanwhile, Mission Control started to get a data download from the command module. Now, the information they were getting was completely overwhelming everything was failing so much so that they thought that it's not possible to fail like this this is a communication issue you can't have such large numbers of simultaneous component failure mm. but they were wrong fuck shit was going down so what actually caused the explosion because everyone knows from the film or if you don't know the, the tanks exploded but there's got to be a reason yeah so are you ready for some rocket for uh, robots for eyes rocket science yeah ma'am the fault on the oxygen tank that exploded happened five years before the flight. Okay. All the systems on board the Apollo command modules, like the motherships, if you, if you will, uh, were designed to operate at 28 volts. All components, 28 volts. In 1965, after a pre- pre-flight test fuck-up, I think it might have been the Apollo 1 fire, but I didn't look into it anymore. Right. Um, engineers decided to run the systems on 65 volts instead. Whatever, man. Good. They told all the relevant engineers to redesign the electrical components to run at this higher value. But shockingly, they forgot to tell the engineers that built the cryotanks thermostats. They were still rated at 28 volts. Oh, so it just fucking... Well, they, di- well, they just yeah. didn't tell them? Yeah. Three years later, in October 68, two years before the mission went up, that very same oxygen tank, which had the wrong value thermostats installed in it, was accidentally dropped by technicians whilst they were moving it out of, the, out of one spacecraft to another. They dropped it two inches. The te- they tested it, obviously. Yeah. And f- and it seemed to be okay. And they were like, yeah, it's all right. Bang it back in. Use it. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? You've spent billions yeah, just, and just billions. If you spent billions, you might as well spend an extra fucking couple hundred quid or whatever it is to, to get a new one just, or whatever it will be. Just yeah. fucking change it, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Don't. Ri- why would you risk it? You're no. dropping parts of a spacecraft on the floor. Yeah. And that's going to be in space soon. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. a long, long <laughs> yeah, way yeah, away yeah, yeah. <laughs> And we all know it wasn't okay. But that's not all. That's not all the list of fuck-ups. In 1970... So, so already we've got a... a um, Wrong value for a thermostat. Yeah. They've dropped, dropped a fucking it, yeah. oxygen tank. And in 1970, when the spacecraft was on the launch pad going through what's called a countdown test, it's like a rehearsal, yeah. full full loaded, full fueled up practice. Yeah. And they look, look to see the, the yeah, all the dials. All That's that, it. Yeah. They check everything out. The oxygen tanks were filled up. After the test completion, the tanks were to be drained, yeah. obviously, put it back in a safe state. The oxygen tank would not empty its contents so, so alarm fucked, bells yeah. here. Surely, yeah, the valve or something's fucked on it already. Well, you're like, or something, yeah, yeah. Isn't that the fucking oxygen tank? Yeah, yeah, drop, you yeah, 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 you fucking wankers. Just passed by. No one no one, cl- no one cared. No one realised. Okay. Okay. They didn't know it at the time, but when they dropped it, they'd kinked a pipe that allowed the oxygen to purge out. They literally bent the fucking hose. Right. 
uh, the contents wouldn't come out. So to get round this, the engineers figured out what to do because you can't leave it there with liquid oxygen. Yeah. They turned on the tanks, fans and heaters, which raises the temperature, boils off the liquid oxygen, which is increasing the pressure in the tank. Now, that increase of pressure would force the liquid oxygen out through the kinked pipe. Yeah. The heaters were controlled by the thermostat. It was designed to turn the heaters off at a maximum of 80 degrees centigrade to stop the pressure from going too high. Yeah. The thermostat was, as we all know, still rated at 28 volts. Yes, it's, yes, not right. Not the 65. They were pumping through it. So this excess voltage welded the metal contacts in the thermostat together, rendering it impossible to break the circuit and turn off the heaters. Okay. So, so they welded stayed, the yeah. on-off switch on. Yeah. <laughs> basically. <laughs> right, yeah. Because the thermostat is like a temperature-controlled on-off switch. They didn't spot the error. They actually got lucky because it could have blown right there and then on the on the launch pad. Yeah. Could have just let go then. So when Jack Swigert activated the heaters and fans on Mission Control's request, the broken thermostat had no way of shutting off the heaters. It just stayed on. And controlling the temps. It went like several thousand degrees. So in a sealed tank with heaters boiling liquid oxygen, raising the pressure and temperature, they had effectively made a bomb of yeah. that. That tank was now a bomb. And shit went boom, obviously. It's like if you were to get um, a tin of soup and put it in um, a pan of boiling water and turn it on, you know that the, the contents of that tin of soup is going to boil yeah. and it's going to start expanding and bulging yeah. and then blow. Yeah, That's what it is. See? Robots for eyes, rocket science, yeah, tin man. of soup. Tin of soup in boiling water. There we go. So that's all it was. It was, a it was just a switch. Probably about a 10 quid switch. P probably not even that. Huh? Probably 50p. Yeah. Fucking... Unbelievable. Shocking, yeah. isn't it? And it's a catalogue of fuck-ups yeah, which yeah. are completely avoidable. Yeah. It's completely battered. Completely battered the whole ship. <laughs> like next level battered. Yeah, it? just with fucking pow. <laughs> Blew it up. <laughs> Blew half of it out. You nearly killed them instantly. Yeah. yeah. At first, the crew thought the spacecraft had been hit by something like a, a meteor or some like random piece of spaceship, a rock or something. But that quickly came to the, came to the realisation that something else pretty bad had occurred and that, that's when Jim Lovell's you know, famous immortal words Houston we've had a problem came through he's mm. calm as fuck yeah and the next thing the crew had to do as fast as possible was diagnose what the biggest threat to their lives was yeah and it became apparent very quick <laughs> no oxygen <laughs> yeah but yeah the command module was losing all of its power all of its electrical power which is not good <clears throat> but the most pressing issue was it was also losing its oxygen yeah, at a horrendous rate due to the explosion. They began reading the instruments uh, and gauges and relaying the figures back to mission control. Oxygen tanks number two gauge read zero immediately. Gone. Fuck all in it. Get on with it. Uh, another important thing here. The fuel cells that power the spacecraft that give it its electricity, they also started to fail. Okay. Now, why so would they fail? That's a completely diff different thing. Yeah. But it's all interlinked. It's a big closed system. The oxygen and hydrogen tanks powered the fuel cells, the batteries really, that powered the spacecraft. There's like an electrochemical reaction that occurs when you combine hydrogen and oxygen together. That produces electricity, mm -hmm. heat, and water as byproducts. So that's why they were important. The batteries used the oxygen and hydrogen tanks. Without them, you've got no fucking power. Yeah. So they're fucking fucked. So without oxygen, the crew would have no power, no power source, <laughs> no water. Fuck off. No heat. 
No communication, no ability to navigate, just a dead ship tumbling away from the Earth with no means to control it at thousands of miles an hour. Just, just be bright, wouldn't you? Just be like, just, let's just open the hatch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, 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 let's get it over yeah. with. How long can you survive in space with that suit? I might as well find out. <laughs> yeah, just, just, just open the hatch and see what happens. Oxygen tank number one's levels were also dropping faster. Number tank, tank number two just got fucking blown to bits. And um, uh, number one tank was compromised and was leaking. Um, but where was all the oxygen going? They didn't realise at the time what the fuck was going on. It had to be going somewhere. Yeah. Unless it's an instrument, you know, malfunction. So Jim Lovell looked out the window and reported that they were venting some form of gas into space. That'll be your oxygen, dude. Yeah, that's the, it's, it's coming out the fucking side of your ship. <laughs> and it also explains why the reaction control thrusters were firing. Because it's, it's the oxygen's pushing it around. Yeah, the gas venting outside the ship was pushing the spacecraft off course, and the reaction control thrusters were firing in an effort to maintain the yeah. correct heading. Now, th- what the Using more power that they don't have now. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> yeah, what I mean. Yeah, yeah. This is Unfuel. what I mean. In an, yeah. effort to st- in, a, in an effort to stay alive, the ship was killing them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was doing what it was programmed to do. So fuck, it's it's really bad this is. And if you lose power, not only is that bad, but the control thrusters will shut down. The ship will be pushed off course because of the venting oxygen. Yeah. And you'd be totally lost. Basically fucked, yeah. You, you go in, in the middle of space, aren't you? Foxville. Foxville, Arizona. Yeah, that's it. There's no repairmen coming out there. There's no AA. <laughs> yeah. You could be a hell of a fucking charge. You'd be sitting again, rubbing their hands together, the people, if there was such thing, going, yeah, this is a few million just for the call. Call out charge could <laughs> yeah. be a bit epic on this one, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the fuel bill? Well, we do 50p a mile. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucking hell, yeah. Uh, uh, fuel tank. How many, how many litres of fuel do you need for this one? About 4,000 tonnes. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. <laughs> uh, they treated it as a matter of fact, though. They didn't panic. They just kept cool. I mean, they say, what's the point of fucking panicking? You're in the situation. Deal with it. You're gonna. If you panic, you'll lose your shit. Keep your shit together. Relax. Well, what else can you do? Nothing you can do. Well, you can sort it out. You've got, you you got to kind of laugh at it. I know it sounds mental, but you got to kind of go, huh. right, we've got something to, to try and sort here. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's as simple as. And that's we have kind a new of, mission objective. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Try to live. <laughs> <laughs> Not die in the vacuum of space. Yeah. Uh, Jim Lovell said one of the first things he thought when he realised it had all gone wrong is why not Apollo 12 or Apollo 14? <laughs> yeah. He's like, fuck it. It wasn't his yeah, life. It was yeah. like, shit, I could, I'm, I'm missing out on the moonwalk. Yeah, yeah. Should have stayed on Apollo 14, mate. You yeah. had the option. Yeah, yeah. Wanker. So they had to think fast. They'd lost the chance of landing on the moon and now the odds of their survival were fucking dropping yeah. fast. The command module Aquarius basically was crippled. It had a battery backup power, but they needed that remaining power for guidance computers in the return capsule. They had to completely power down the command module, saving what they could. A complete power down of a spacecraft in deep space during an active space flight is something it was never designed to do. Yeah. They, they, they literally had no choice. So without power, all the ship and its sensitive instruments would be exposed to the, the really deep, deep, cold vacuum of space. Many systems had to be kept warm to operate correctly. Yeah, yeah. And they were just fucking putting them in space and turning them off. Yeah. They had no fuck choice, em. mate. Yeah, fuck them. <laughs> there was also a very real possibility that the um, the batteries in the command module's return capsule could completely lose their charge because they, they knew at the time they were that these batteries were going to be sitting for many days in sub-zero temperatures and batteries don't really like that. Mm. So, but what can you do, man? Put the crew, in, the crew in a dire situation. Yeah. With a dead command module, they had only one option. It's pretty clever, but... Pretty pretty scary when you think about what they had to do. They transferred all the consumables from the command module 
through that battered up docking port yeah. and into the tiny two-man lunar module. Yeah. They hoped the lunar lander was unaffected by the explosion and was able to keep them alive. It was designed to be powered up in space. Yeah. After all, it was going to fly down to the moon. Yeah. And they thought they could uh, basically piggyback a ride on it. Uh, the team had, in fact, ran scenarios in simulations on Earth before launch, recreating a situation that this you know might occur and use this as a as a solution um, but it was deemed so catastrophic that it would be a complete failure because yeah. what you you're, what you're saying is you've lost the command module which is the only ship that can get you back to yeah the, yeah you know th- without that you're fucked the yeah. lunar module can't come through the atmosphere you, you'd be dead um, the lunar lander was designed to land on the moon in the vacuum of space and it's not designed for atmospheric re-entry it, it's, it's very fragile apparently you could poke your finger through it with I don't believe yeah, that. Yeah. That's what they say, but mm. a bit of a design flaw. Yeah, as you say, yeah, that would be a big fuck-up, wouldn't it? <laughs> you can put your finger through the edge. If you poke a hole into the vacuum of space through the spacecraft, I think you probably want to like, make that a bit tough. Yeah, 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 I think so. But it was... Um, Stick a bit of metal on it or something. Well, it was that, that's the thing. That's yeah. The reason why that apparently you could do that is because the ship... Because weight was critical. They had to keep it very, very, very light. Yeah. They basically just made it out of paper. <laughs> fuck that. Nope. Um, the lunar module had its own independent power source, independent mm-hmm. engines. It had its own supplies. It was a totally separate spacecraft, but unfortunately, it was designed for two, not three. But what are you going to do? Yeah, you've got to well, yeah. utilize your resources. Yeah. So the crew scrambled to power down the command module before the power ran out. At the same time, they had to power up the lunar module before the oxygen rang out. Which would have killed them. Yeah, so it's, it's a race against the time. Tar- against tar- space is trying yeah. to kill them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just that's it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, tr- it's just trying to murder them as, as quick as it can. Floating in a tin can, <laughs> as a Bowie would say. Far above the world. Yeah. Floating in a tin can. Far above the world. Made of his blue, <laughs> and there's nothing I can do. It might have been about that. I don't actually know. Bam, 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 bam. Brilliant tune. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't as easy as just jumping into the lunar module. They had to get all the navigation dan- data transferred from the command module to the lunar module before it died. They literally had to retrofit and reprogram a spacecraft on the fly 200,000 miles from the Earth to do something it wasn't designed to do <laughs> with 1960s computers. I would have just gone, um, do you know what? Just let's just wing it, see what happens. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what they kind of did, didn't they? Yeah, okay, well, yeah. just, will this work? Yep. <laughs> well, we're going to have to try and make it work, aren't we? <laughs> they had to use pens and paper to write the computer code down because this, this is so primitive. They didn't have like laptops or yeah, some yeah. shit. You know? So they, they were writing the um, computer code down of the navigation data from the command module and transferring it into the lunar module. They were getting mission control to check it for mistakes. When they said, no, nah, no, nah, it looks all right to me, they then manually punched it into the lunar module's computer to try and give it a bit of a brain. Yeah. Because it's like, you, you're not landing on the moon now, kid. You've got to figure out... <laughs> yeah, you got to, yeah, you're trying to give, do a survival mission now. They were successful, though. It, it sort of semi-worked. Uh, at this point, they because they're close to the moon, they could have done what's called an, a direct-to-bore engine burn and get home one and a half days quicker. That's the key, one and a half days quicker. But that manoeuvre involved them turning the whole spacecraft around so the engine is pointing the way they're going then they would fire up the command module's engine it's like a retrograde engine burn it's called 
But Mission Control were worried that that engine might have been compromised due to the explosion because it's right next to where the oxygen tanks okay, were. Okay, yeah. Could might be some damage. And could have blown the whole... Then. Yeah, they were like, just don't touch it. Consider that yeah, yeah. a bomb. Yeah. The whole thing, don't don't fuck with it. So uh, so they didn't. So they opted for what's called a... Well, it was safer. It's a free return slingshot around the far side of the moon. So they just let the moon grab them, basically, and chuck them back. It would take more time, but... They didn't know if they had an oxy- enough oxygen either. They were like, fuck it, what can we do? Yeah. Can't turn that engine on, it's a bomb. Might not have enough air. <clears throat> we'll figure it out. Go for the moon. So they went around the back of the moon. But using the lunar lander to fly them home was risky. Um, it was not designed to do that at all. That's no. why they had to reprogram it. Like we said before, it was built for two geezers, not three. And it was only d- designed to fly to the moon's surface. And back up to lunar orbit. Not from the moon to Earth. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not Uh, 250,000 miles with an extra crew member. Yeah, fuck. It it was, you know, it's a big ask from a a little, it's a tiny little ship. Mm. It looks big, but the actual crew compartments are tiny. So all non-essential electrical equipment was shut down to preserve what little power they had. That included the cabin heaters. And with the vacuum of space pulling the heat out of the spacecraft and a four-day journey ahead of them, it was going to get very uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, it got well into negative temperatures. They know this because the drinking water froze. Fuck. Um, pretty much impossible to drink. That's to heat it up under their armpits or whatever. All their food froze solid, but they weren't in the mood for eating them. Literally didn't, apparently. Yeah, right. Yeah. They put on all available... Did you land- have ice lollies up there? They had enough ice lollies. <laughs> just shit flavoured. Yeah, just like, like vindaloo flavoured, like just dust. It was water flavoured. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it must have been horrible, that. I was thinking, oh my god, we're just passengers here. Yeah, we don't know what we don't know how we're going to get out of this. Yeah, just you just just well, like you say, you're just sort of hoping, aren't you? You you got the coordinates and you've done what you need to do, and you just got to hope that it actually does what it's what you've told it to do. Yeah, like it should. Even knowing for well that that it's not that isn't it its task in life. So it's like it's like asking someone a major favour, isn't it? Yeah, it's like asking a boat to be a submarine. Yeah. Yeah, basically, yeah. Will it work? Well, we'll we see. might do. We'll give it a go. What choice have you got? Yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> so, but also the crew, because it was so cold, they put on all available clothing because they were, I think it was a two-week mission. So um, they had to change their clothes, obviously. And they huddled up as well. They literally like team huddle, keep yeah. warm. Spooning each other. Yeah, man. Well, you could have done other things to keep you warm as well, but yeah. they may have done. Sleep was apparently... apparently you could wank on a biscuit, you know what I mean? That would keep you warm. Andy would have loved it up there. Yeah, he would have been there with them. Come on, lads, come on. Locked in a box with them. <laughs> Who's Jimmy in first? <laughs> Who's Jimmy in first? Well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to eat the biscuit? Come on. It's frozen. So um, sleep was awful because yeah. they're freezing. The crew estimated they got bouts of sleep lasting between three and five minutes at a time. And they said it was hard to relax when you're in a crippled spacecraft hurtling away from the Earth at three kilometres a second. Mm. has a tendency to keep you awake. <laughs> Afterwards, the astronauts said that they, they did actually think about the likelihood of death, whether that be in a fireball during re-entry or if they bounced off the Earth, sentencing them to like an eternity of drifting around space. That would definitely, if that happened, you'd definitely open the door. Take your mask off, lads, and let's just over. open the door. <laughs> you oh, know what I mean? That would have been awful. Can you imagine yeah. it? You just, they're like, okay, lads. Um, well, they've been able to talk to them probably still. Limited time until the power Would you have stayed on it until them just died slowly? Or would you have just bail out and just die I quickly? Know, I don't know. I think my self-preservation would have made me stay stay with the craft and just think, oh, there must be something we can do. Like, there isn't. 
There isn't even a ship capable of getting into space, mate. No, you're and you're on a mad trajectory sending you out yeah. of the Earth system. You're not going to land on another Earth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rockets aren't even capable to get where you're going. Yeah, you're, you're fucked. fucked. Yeah, oh. they said they thought about family members and loved ones, but, but only in their heads. They didn't discuss it. And it wasn't a time to get distracted. You needed to be, you know, focused on what you had to do. So 21 hours after the explosion, the master, mashed up spacecraft entered the moon's gravity well and it swung around the far side. And as it went round the back of the moon, they lose all radio communication because the moon is in between the spacecraft and the Earth. That's mm. how far yeah, yeah. away they are. It's scary, isn't it? Yeah, that's mad. Crippled, freezing cold. And the moon's closer to Earth than you are. Yeah, yeah. No. Shit, what the fuck? The crew had a chance to look out the windows and observe the moon. Um, they still tried to get important data. They, they had uh, tried, assumed they were, they were assuming they were going to get back. And they were like, what scientific data can we get from this? Because this has cost about 20 billion quid to get yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> and all we're doing is coming back. Yeah. So you might as well get A some. failed mission, which is going to hopefully be successful. As in like, you know, well, it's not successful, but you know what I mean? They make it look like a success because they come back alive. Yeah. The Your your mission objectives changed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're so no longer Drastically, you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it can be a success. But From it, landing on the moon and playing a bit of golf and having a good laugh to shitting your pants and going, oh, fuck, I might die. To not, <laughs> yeah, yeah. To not dying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, even though they knew the landing was off the table and they might die, apparently Fred Hayes and Jack Swigert were completely in awe of the moon. They were looking at, I mean, as you would be. Yeah, well, yeah. Looking at the moon. Now, Jim Lovell um, wasn't really too bothered about looking out. He said he pissed was off, wasn't he? Because of all the other missions which he should have been on and, yeah. like, f- fucked up on and everyone was successful and he's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he knows. He's like, fucking hell, this is the second time I've been here. Yeah, yeah. It's there. It's I, I was supposed there. to go on the, la- um, the next one yeah. to be landing on it. Well, I suppose, though, in I a way. I for it. <laughs> even though it was, like, major sort of unluckiness for him, right, it's probably the most successful thing, really, when you think about it. So he probably would have been known more for this than he would have been for landing on the moon. Uh, yeah, you're right. You're right, yeah. He became infamous in some ways. Yeah, because I, I I don't know who landed on Apollo 14 on the moon. You probably, most people can tell you Neil and Burrs, and then if they ask you to name any other astronauts, no. they'll probably say Jim Lovell, because Jim it's Lennon's been in a film. CERN, and that's probably, is it CERN, 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 and yeah, that's it. That's probably about it. That's all I know. You know what I mean? So Disappointing, Rob, should know more. Yeah, I should do. True human explorers. Fuck you. So 30 hours after the explosion... Uh, on the 15th of April now, having swung behind the moon and actually beginning their journey home, they were starting to encounter more problems. The Lem, which was supposed to keep two guys alive for two days... Not Lemmy on board. Not not three three dudes for four days. Um, What they were finding out is that carbon dioxide from breathing was building up. Now, the lunar module's CO2 filters couldn't cope with the extra load because there was an extra person on yeah, board yeah, yeah. it wasn't designed to do that so they attempted to use the command modules CO2 filters the crippled ship basically they'd open the docking hatch go in and get the uh, get the filters out yeah, yeah. the problem was the command module filters were of a square design and the lunar modules filters were a round design good idea lads well done <laughs> <laughs> uh, they were literally incompatible yeah so <clears throat> it's like a square peg in a round hole yeah fuck it out you'd think they would have them I know Technically, they're two different ships, so they, they just don't think about that. Because obviously they don't think of that scenario, do they? But you'd think next time, if you have two ships, make sure they're all the sort of same shape. Which they did. Yeah. They redesigned. This proved... It, it just to make it, sure. It, sh- it exposed some weaknesses in the ship when 
something bad happens and yeah. that was one of them so they redesigned all of the filters on all the ships to make them compatible yeah. so you could just swap them if you needed to but never left they had to get it sorted and fast because the crew were literally slowly being poisoned to death by yeah, breathing yeah. mission control knew exactly what was on board the spacecraft there's no point saying alright what you need to do is nip to the shops and get some screws mm, yeah. when they haven't got any so you have well, to make a have solution inventory don't they of, of everything on board don't they so. that's it yeah and you have to make the solution with what they've got on board in terms of materials. Um, so what they did is they made, uh, the mission control made a square to round adapter. The crew just sat back and chilled. Do you know what they need? Just duct tape, that would do it. Well, it is. Literally duct tape, just duct tape it till it's round. I never do just go, there you go. Well, the, the crew, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. What, basically what they did. The crew it's chilled because they yeah. were like, well, there's no point in us trying to do it. There's a load of guys on the ground that are in a warm room, not fighting to survive mm. with the same materials of us they can figure it out so mission controls did all the work and then um, they used uh, pages from flight manuals plastic bags spacesuit hoses and duct tape oh right cool gotta love duct tape it's so useful it does everything duct tape it, it fixed another issue on one of the Apollo missions Apollo 17 a mudguard broke on a rover when they were driving around it doesn't sound too too catastrophic and it's not really catastrophic but it would have fucked them up because what was happening is the wheels are chucking up the, the lunar soil re- called regolith everyone regolith old, yeah. and it was it's chucking it up everywhere because the guard wasn't catching it and yeah. it was literally covering all of the um, instruments and everything yeah but but more importantly it was covering up the spacesuits. now the spacesuits on the Apollo um, landing missions were white they're not just done that for a laugh they're white because it's thermally um sensible to have things white because it rejects heat yeah. and what was happening was um, the dust was covering up the suits and they were getting grey and getting dark and they were absorbing heat and they weren't getting boiling yeah there was a potential of overheating so they used duct tape and like a, a map and they just basically made a oh cool and made a, um, a mud guard on a broken lunar rover whilst driving around the mountains of the moon with the duct tape the, ro- the rover's still there isn't it yeah 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 they all are yeah all the descent stages and that's Elon Musk's plan to get go up there get the rover bring it back and sell it <laughs> could do it yeah, we swap it round put, <laughs> put his Tesla there and have the rover going around with the geyser in it That'd in, be wicked. in the orbit <laughs> a Tesla on the moon would look fucking cool man <laughs> yeah, yeah. against that grey and white and black background yeah, just yeah. a bright red Tesla with a dude sitting in it yeah 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 just sitting there playing life on Mars whatever it is meant to be playing <laughs> on it <laughs> so what they did with the um, the CO2 filters is they basically duct taped a square command module filter to a round lunar module filter um, and they stuck it in the lunar module housing and just duct taped it on yeah. so you'd be like how am I here yeah, freezing yeah. my ass off 200,000 miles from my pla- from the planet my species evolved on trying to repair a spacecraft in deep space with duct tape <laughs> <laughs> yeah. fucking crazy isn't it it is anyway it worked the CO2 levels started to drop and the problem went away now the crew as all crews have done before were venting waste urine into space there's no point keeping it on board, they just chuck it out. But on the return trip, after having gone round the back of the moon, Mission Control instructed them to stop venting your piss because when they did, the stream of piss exiting the spacecraft was acting like a small thruster and it was slightly pushing the whole thing, the whole vehicle, off course. Oh, fuck it out. I'd be farting out. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake, we're going to, we're going to Mars now. <laughs> yeah. it, it wouldn't normally be an issue. Um, missions before had the resources to vent piss and if it, and make yeah, mid-course it just, corrections. It just, yeah, quick, quick, yeah. It, it doesn't make any difference. But at 200,000 miles And altitude, the machine wasn't built to do that, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Well, that's it. But at 200,000 miles plus, a quarter of a million miles, a tiny deviation of, say, like, 10 millimetre, you push the spacecraft 10 millimetre, 
any direction adds up. Yeah, yeah. 200,000, that's like hundreds of miles down the line. Yeah, and yeah. that's what they figured it out. They s- so they figured that out on the r- when they looked at the return trajectory and they were like, oh, you're off course. You're going to miss the atmosphere by 80 miles because of piss thrusters. <laughs> so they had to um, basically piss in bags. And hut keeping inside. Shit in bags. So now they're stuck in a freezing cold spacecraft, hurtling away from the Earth, surrounded by frozen piss and shit. It wouldn't bother me. At the end of the day, it's either that will disappear into oblivion, basically. Yeah. Yeah, you got no choice. No. Piss and shit's not a problem at that moment. No. You can either piss out the window, mate, or die. Probably keep you warm as well. Just, just shit one out and hold it in your hands. I bet they probably... <laughs> it would have made sense, actually, didn't Yeah. yeah. You can defrost the food with, with piss. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fucking grim situation. Yeah, uh, so because of this piss stream pushing them slightly off, and like I t- say, like only a tiny amount caused them to miss the atmosphere by 80 miles. They had to do a mid-course correction burn between the Earth and the Moon on the way back. So any firing of engines has to be amazingly precise. Yeah. If piss can push you off, yeah. what an engine could do. Um, but the lunar module was the only engines that they were prepared to use, and it wasn't designed to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mission Control figured out exactly how long the engine burn should be and in what direction they needed to point the ship to make the... The whole return capsule hit the atmosphere. The crew performed the engine burn, but the navigation systems on the lunar module couldn't be used. They didn't have the capacity to accurately pinpoint... Where it's going to land, so to speak. Well, they're aiming a target five miles from, you know, 200,000 miles. The system couldn't do that. You know, we're talking of hitting the top of the Earth's atmosphere, which is only 62 miles high, Mm. at a very precise angle. If If you hit it too shallow, you'll bounce off. And you hit it too deep, you'll burn up. Yeah. So from, uh, you know, with, n- with no computer guidance, this was a fucking risky move. But yeah. what can you do? You're not going to get home if you don't. So what they did is, with no navigational equipment, the crew used the window of the lunar module as a site, like a rifle site, and they used the Earth's Terminator as a target. So basically they're looking out the window <laughs> at the Earth and saying, if we keep that there, in that position... We should be all right, boys. Fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Fuck. what she control said. <laughs> yeah, to yeah, yeah. He's like, this sounds like it's been winged a bit. Here. <laughs> yeah, you look at each other and go, "Are you fucking sure?" Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is, are we actually talking to Mission Control here, or are we <laughs> programmed into someone else? And they just go, "Let's just fuck them up and say this." <laughs> Do they know what they're fucking doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So the engine burn had to be precise. Mega, mega timing was needed. Now think about how much the piss thruster moved them off. Yeah. Now that you ignite a rocket engine in a way that it's not supposed to do, with no navigational computers at all to help you. So Jack Swigert was the human stopwatch. Now, I say that he was the human stopwatch because no onboard clocks worked because yeah, yeah, yeah. they had no fucking power. Jim Lovell looked out the right-hand window and he was controlling the vertical motion of the spacecraft and Fred Hayes was looking out the left-hand window contr- controlling the lateral motion of the spacecraft. You couldn't even fly it by yourself. You needed three guys all working in perfect sync, controlling different vectors, throttle yeah. powers. It's terrifying stuff. Could have just all ended there. Yeah. You can't even fly it by yourself. You press it and you think you press it back, like just turn it off and you haven't. No! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Any deviation there would have been so bad. So, so bad. But they executed the burn. Mission Control obviously picked up where the spacecraft was after the firing of the engines and (laughs) plotted the course and they figured out, yeah, you're going to hit the atmosphere. You're on the right course now. So a few hours out from the Earth, the crew re-entered the fucked up command module and began to power up all of its dead computers and navigation systems because command, command module has the capsule 
which allows you to return yeah. to the Earth. Yeah. Every, the, the lunar module didn't. Yeah. So they have to. They have to, to get that fucker yeah, up yeah. running. That's why they powered it down because they yeah. knew that its battery weren't going to survive. Mission Control had run uh, command module startups test in simulators on the ground, but they really didn't know the extent of the damage caused by the explosion. They didn't even know. If yeah, because they, they turned everything off, didn't they? Yeah. So it was just like just fucking bail, basically, in the way yeah. of the ship for the we time being. have to close this yeah, down. Yeah. We'll just figure it out when we get near the Earth, yeah, yeah. if you get that far. So every single time a command module had been powered up before was on the Earth, literally connected to an electrical power supply, and the ship would have been kept in perfect conditions, not frozen in like you know the deep vacuum of space after an explosion. There's a lot of fucking yeah. firsts that were going down. Uh, also, the crew had to... Um, had to rely on the batteries in the command module holding their charge. They may not have done that. So the pirate procedure that Mission Control devised in the simulators had 500 steps all had to be carried out in perfect order at specific times. It's fucking complicated stuff, yeah, man. Yeah. We take it for granted the level of technology we've got. These dudes were just in a can flying through space yeah. with just a shitty calculator. Yeah, shitty calculator and a few switches. Pissing out the window to try and change the yeah. direction. <laughs> The instructions are rated up to the crew, had to write them down in the correct order. They didn't have any paper, so they were ripping out pages from... Because this isn't something they planned to do. Yeah. So they're ripping out pages from flight manuals and flight plans and trying to keep them in order. So you've got pages of 500 commands floating about. Yeah. It's not fucking good, man. They took their time in making no mistakes, as you fucking yeah, would. Yeah, definitely. They entered 500 commands into the computer systems and the command module came back to life, much to everybody's relief, but... That wasn't it. They weren't yeah, still. It's just home. turned on. Yeah, it's just going. Yep, we're back up. Yeah. But it doesn't mean like it's going to actually do its job. Exactly. So five hours out from the Earth, so we're getting pretty close back in. They jettisoned and decoupled from the command module service bay, uh, but the return capsule remained docked to the lunar module. Uh, they did this for safety reasons, because mainly because the lunar module had a fully functioning electrical supply. So yep. they kept it connected to use that as like a parasite yeah. almost. Um, the crew were able to observe the Jetson service module out the window as it tumbled past them, mm. um, which gave mission control vital clues into sort of figuring out what may have occurred, you know, like seeing um, where the blast was located and potentially figuring out ways to safeguard future missions yeah, from yeah. having this happen to them again. Jim Lovell radioed back that one whole side of the spacecraft was missing, blown out, totally destroyed by the oxygen tanks. <clears throat> now, I'll put a picture of this as like the episode picture whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. so you can have a look at that yourselves um, unfortunately because they didn't know it at the time because they were still connected to it but when they decoupled they realized that a portion of the heat shield on the return capsule was right next to where the destroyed tanks were so there was real fear that the heat shield might have been damaged yeah during the explosion now you don't want a damaged heat shield hitting the atmosphere at hypersonic speeds any imperfection would be quickly exposed by the several thousand degrees heat yeah, yeah. And that would be detrimental to the spacecraft and the crew's health, I would yeah. imagine. <laughs> I think they'd be pretty warm quite quickly. Pretty warm, yeah, and pretty, 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 pretty <laughs> yeah, yeah, bit toasty. Yeah, now, everybody knew when they saw the command module. Everyone knew straight away. But what can you do? Which way? But yeah, you got to risk it now. You know, you can't go. Like, well, hang on, let's just sit back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean, you can't change your mind. No, you get, you're heading towards it. That's it. You're falling to the earth. You're gonna hit the times. You're gonna get done by the time. Yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, it must have been terrifying, but I suppose at that point, you're like, fuck it. I mean, you think, man, the Earth would have been huge yeah. at this point. It's there. There yeah. it is. I can see fucking land, but I may not get there. Mm. I'm so close to home, but I might be fucking dead. Everything they have done 
to survive at this point could have all the obstacles they overcame might have been for nothing. Yeah, yeah. That heat shield was fucked. What can you do though? So about an hour out from the Earth, they jettisoned the lunar module that that kept them alive. Basically, uh, it was quite emotional for the crew. They actually said farewell to it because it it, li- it it was a life support yeah, machine. Yeah, it helped them. Yeah, yeah. Um, so at this point, with the service bay tumbled off and gone, and they've they've looked at that. This exploded. Now they've undocked from the the lunar module. They're on a one way trip now to the Earth's atmosphere. <clears throat> There's nothing they could do to change the course because they had no ships. They weren't connected to anything. Mm. They had no ability to alter the trajectory. They were going that way. That's it. On the 17th of April, six days in the, after six days after the explosion, the capsule hit the Earth's atmosphere at a speed of, get this, mate, 36,210 feet per second. What? Seven miles a second. <laughs> that is a... That fuck. Is a, yeah. Imagine the deceleration on that as well. Oh, mega. From the atmosphere, we're just going, fuck this. <laughs> to, to, to give you like a... I tried to sort of figure out how I could visualise what seven miles in a second looks like, but 36,000 feet, seven miles, is about what... Um, passenger jets cruise at so when you stand on the floor and you look up at that tiny dot in the sky you imagine going from that dot to the ground in a second it's like going from from our house to Birmingham in a second it's fast as fuck man can you imagine that takes us about probably 35-40 minutes to get there usually yeah one second yeah when they've been travelling at that speed for fucking days yeah it's crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. So because of the huge speed it was travelling, it caused a 5,000 degree ionised fireball to engulf the craft um, that was created from the heat, um, from the compression of the atmosphere uh, by the craft slamming into it. Basically, the atmosphere can't move out the way. Mm. The air cannot move out the way of the of the capsule fast enough, so it just gets extremely yeah, yeah, yeah. hot. But that air friction, as you said, um, you can imagine the, the deceleration. That's aero braking. They, u- they use that effect to slow the spacecraft down yeah. as well. You, they do that around like um, uh, different planets with atmospheres, like Mars. You can, you can, if you hit the top of the atmosphere, instead of using an engine to slow yourself down, you can use the resistance of the atmosphere. So they bounce off the top and it slows them down and able to get into orbit. Anyway, yeah. I digress. Um, so yeah, they were aero braking. It's like when you put your, your hand out the window yeah, yeah. of a car. Yeah, and you drag your hand back. And except yeah, yeah. at 36,200 yeah, feet yeah. a second. A lot more powerful. <laughs> Rip your arm off business. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> just a tad. Yeah. So this ionised fireball blacked out all radio communications as was expected. And it still occurs to this day, that effect. Um, it's, it's just, you can't get around it. It's too violent. The shuttle, which is the space shuttle, which is much, much more advanced than the Apollo missions, had uh, blackouts that lasted 30 missions due to its angle that it came in at. Yeah. Uh, at the time of the blackout, nobody knows the state of the crew inside. You, you're literally on your own. Mission Control calculated that the angle that Apollo 13 was coming in, the blackout should last approximately four minutes, but it didn't. It lasted longer, six minutes in total. So after <laughs> six suspense-filled minutes, the crew actually radioed in. They survived re-entry. No celebrations yet, though, because they still have to deploy the parachutes that slowed their descent into the water. Yeah, and they too could have been damaged by the explosion in the command module. Yeah, that'd be fun, wouldn't it? Or they may be uh, the pyrotech because they were like explosive pyrotechnics. You know, th- there's a lot of things that could have gone wrong here, um, but they were lucky. The pyrotechnics fired, parachutes opened, slowed them down, and they uh, they hit the water at not thirty six thousand feet a second. So, so you know when they say about the lift, if the lift breaks and you jump at the very bottom, <laughs> you have yeah, to yeah. try and do that with that. 
see if that worked. <laughs> fucking no chance. Imagine that. If it ever worked, that it'd be like, like what? Really? Yeah, that fucking worked. Like, see, as soon as you open the door, it'd go, tap. <laughs> yeah, you'd just be, you okay. wouldn't you? So what they were doing is when they, they ain't, they don't just splash down in the ocean because the fucking sea is pretty big. Yeah. They specific target areas because there's recovery ships. Yeah. So you want to land pretty close to someone that can pick you up. You don't yeah, want yeah, to be bobbing yeah, around yeah, yeah. in a compromise. Middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, in fact, splash down in the South Pacific Ocean only four miles away from the recovery ship, the USS Iwo Jima. Oh, that's not too bad then. Four fucking miles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty fucking good now, isn't fucking it? Fucking space travel sounds easy now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are fucking moaning about? Yeah, you're fine. It's a big lie. So that was it, mate. They were home. They were home. They survived. They come out to live the tale, live and speak the tale. But they, but uh, poor old Jim never got to go to the moon again. That was it. No. Well, to be honest, like I say, he, it sounds mental. He obviously wanted to go on the moon, and that was his mission, sort of thing in his life. But he probably would be more known for not being on the moon than he would have if he went on the moon. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 Terrifying though, isn't it? That you wouldn't want to be on the next one mission with him, would you? Be like, fuck that, man. It's your curse, son. Level going on, no, no, uh, yeah, he's on. Um, can I go on the next one because everything goes fucking wrong with him? <laughs> there was actually um, a tale of good luck from Apollo 13. Obviously, Alan Shepard had good luck because they wouldn't put him on it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got there. But Ken Matt- Mattingly, I believe his name was, he was supposed to be the command module pilot on Apollo 13, mm. and a few days, I believe it might have been. Five days before the launch, he was. Um, they were worried that he'd been exposed to measles because Charlie Duke, who flew on Apollo 16, had got measles off one of his kids or something, and he'd been in contact with Ken Mad- Maddenley. And they were like, you, "That's too much of a risk." Yeah, you can't go on just in case you get you swell up up there yeah. with they, a mental face and. Looking like you're going to die. The, me- the medic said that you're most likely going to start getting symptoms when you arrive in lunar orbit. Yeah. Fuck. And you're going to be in that ship by yourself whilst Hayes and Love will go down. So we don't really want you. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is this? <laughs> Some sort of gay spaceship. So, so what they did is they said to Matt, you can't fly, mate. You can't fly. And, and they went, lucky Jack Swigert's here because you're the backup. You're flying. And Matt, and he was pissed off. He says, I haven't got the fucking measles. I'm not going to get the measles. He didn't get the measles. But when the ship blew up, he was like, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. And he, he got to fly on Apollo 16. So <laughs> fucking <laughs> well, I think it was Apollo 16 he flew on. I can't remember. Rob probably had to tell us from that book. Well, I'm not looking through it at the minute. I can't. I'm, let's read every page until we get to it. <laughs> It's a fucking, it's an amazing feat, though. The yeah, well, they, you know, they've done what they needed to do, didn't they? Which is quite amazing, really, when you think about it. You know yeah. what I mean? It's they, they basically, their mission was survival, and they ended up basically doing survival. Yeah. That was it, rather than doing the mission they were meant to do. It's sort of been hailed as one of NASA's greatest missions. Yeah. One of their greatest success, because it, it was all the objectives completely changed, and they were not prepared for anything they had to do. And they just used... Being calm, looking at what was available, not doing anything rash, figuring shit out and having faith in each other. Yeah. And they did it. It's fucking nuts. So that's um, that's the tale of Apollo 13. Apollo 13, man, yeah. Fucking hell. Would you have gone on Apollo 13 knowing what happened? I would, if you could live. If I knew I was going to live, yeah. If if I could, if it was the same story, but I'm one of them, then yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd like to go through the experience of... of possibly thinking you're going to die but in theory you know you are going to be fine but just to go through the extremes just to see what it's like would you would you go to the if, you, if there was a moon mission or a seat available would you go yeah definitely 100% yeah I'd go to the moon why have you got one 
Yeah. Here we go, Rob. We've got you a seat. Knocking one up in the yeah. garage, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd fucking love it, man. It would be cool, wouldn't it, to go to the fucking moon? To turn around and see the Earth as a small dot in the sky. That would be awesome, wouldn't it? Well, you're driving a car on the mountains of the moon. You'd be like, how the fuck did I get here, man? I'm yeah. an animal that evolved on that planet, and now yeah. I'm standing here looking back at that. Yeah, just like, yeah, yeah, it's mental, isn't it? It's crazy. And then soon, obviously, out to Mars, and that's going to be even, I mean, that's so remote. The Earth's just going to look like a, a star in the sky, a yeah. slightly brighter star. Yeah, man. It's gonna be. F- it would be mental, wouldn't it? It would be absolutely mental. Be fun. It, well, yeah. And also, they're not coming back from Mars by the sounds of it. They're just going up there and so to live. Yeah. Well, why not? Fuck it. There's no point coming back, is there? It's a shithole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> no, All yeah, that yeah, rainforest, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oceans. No. Um. Well, if they want to colonise it, that's what they got to do. They can't just just go or go up there for a week, come back, and then go back again. You know what I mean? It just doesn't work like that, does it? We've got to push out to other other planets. I think we have to. We can't really. <laughs> I mean, we can see here, but there's been many, many extinction events in the past. And why do we think that they're not going to happen again? If yep. we really want to ensure our survival, space is the how, way How forward. are they going to do it? I mean, it's like, it's going to take a long time for them to sort it out because they've got to try and make everything right to live on, basically. Well, you've got to take a mini Earth with you. Yeah. You've got to take a completely enclosed, hermetically sealed habitat that you can live in that has everything that yeah. you could ever need, ever. What happens if you break your leg? You need to take a surgeon Weren't they thinking of putting like load of, trying to get algae up there or something because that was meant to... Terraform, isn't it? Some, yeah, terraform in the island or well, something. They might, I think I think so, but I, I mean, I don't know if there's any, if we've got any plans to actually do that, but you'd be better off trying to figure out if there's anything alive on the planet before you Even start fucking yeah, yeah. about Even, with it. Yeah, exactly, don't yeah. Don't swap it out and change it just yeah, to make it suit you until you know what's on it. Yeah, you get some fucking mental diseases and shit probably from it there. Yeah, Mars flu. Yeah, Mars flu. It's probably flu. like what I've got. Yeah, <coughs> yeah. You go deaf. You go deaf. It's not Aussie flu, it's Mars flu. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mars flu. Fuck you. Right then. Yeah, man. That was good. That was good. I enjoyed that one. It's fun, isn't it? Yeah, it's better than all the other ones we've done. That <laughs> 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 no, was good. That was good, yeah. I like that. If you want some free stickers, just um, take a leave us a review on iTunes and take a screen grab, send it to us, and you got yourself some free stickers. Yeah, yeah. Well, well obviously, we need your address as well. Yeah, you got to send us that. I thought we can't just guess. We could do, but just people be sitting there going, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell of a random guess, sending yeah. a random envelope out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well. Maybe we should start doing that. Random house roulette and just to send stickers to random houses. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> What's this? See if we get a reply. Yeah, man. Right then. Yeah. And you can contact us all on um, Facebook, obviously, as you know, Twitter, all that. Type it in in Google and um, Robots for Eyes and it'll all prop up. And um, the email address is robotsforeyes at gmail.com. <laughs> the blank look in your face there. I know. I was, for some reason, I was going to say Hotmail, but it's not. It's Gmail. Anyway, yeah, wicked, everyone. Wicked. Nice speaking to you all, even though you're not speaking back. Communicating. Yeah. We'll see you next week. Yeah. See you later. Have a good one. <laughs>